Good morning. We noticed in that last hymn, it's, it talks about life is easily broken by a single word. You know, we can look at it from the other side also. A broken heart or disturbed life could be put together, mended together with the word of love. I'm sure each and every one of us sees people out in the world who are facing a hard time, some kind of trials and tribulation. Maybe we feel like, well, you know, I'm feeling bad today, so I can't help anybody. I'm sure no matter how low or how bad we were feeling, there's someone out there <coughs> that's in a worse condition or situation than we are. And if they see that someone that is, that is helping someone else in need when they really don't have their self, now that's showing love. When we, we see people out in the, in, in the world and all that are not in God's love, why don't we talk to them? We recognize the opportunity. And I got thinking, maybe I don't know enough. I first went in the military. I'm sure about Daniel. Probably had the same thing. We had to tear weapons down. These M16, now we had to tear a weapon down so many times and clean it, put it back together that felt like I could do it with my eyes closed. When I went into uh, the job with, with chemicals and treatment and all, I had to tear these pumps down and put them back together, mix chemicals and all, that I had to read up on them enough so that I could know the right chemicals to use them the right stuff. And I got thinking, what about God's word? I know David was in the Bible. I've seen his name mentioned a couple, uh, several times in the Bible. Her, her sermons on her people talk about it, so he's there. What about the ark? Well, it says in the Bible, there's an ark, so there's an ark. What about Jacob's well? There's a well there, Jacob gave it, so it's in there. But what if somebody asked me, what exactly was the ark's purpose? Or what exactly was Jacob's well? I'm sure there was wells throughout the lands and all. Why is this one, Jacob's well, so special that it's mentioned and so much is written on it? Could we tell, could we answer that question? Just knowing something's there is one thing, but being knowing enough to talk about it is another thing. So what I like to do is I'm breaking things down in my own uh, personal study, and I'd like to, as, as I do my lessons and all, kind of reveal what I found important to study for myself and just bring it out and everybody knows I like to simplify things. I've come across a little thing by uh, a brother named Hugo McCord. He's very, got some real good writings and all. But he was actually talking about Jesus and Jacob's well. On one occasion, we see in the book of John, chapter 4, is where I'm going to be getting this from this morning. But we see on one occasion that Jesus left Judea and went again into Galilee. Now, however, he had to pass through Samaria. We see in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, starting in verse 3. When it says that he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must need to go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sechar. Now, I might not pronounce all these words right, but Sechar, near to the partial of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being weary with his journey sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, 
give me to drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy meat. As I said here, and if we just told in John that Jesus had left Judea and went through Galilee, and he came to Samaria, and he came to the Samaritan city of Sechar, where was Jacob's will? We just seen in John 4, 5, and 6. Now, Jacob is believed to have had the will dug following his purchase of this piece of ground, this parcel of ground, near a city called uh, Sechem. Genesis 33, 18 and 20. Now Jacob, we see here in uh, John 4 and 12, tells us that art thou, when the woman was talking to Christ, that art thou, the art thou, art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us his will and drank thereof himself and the children and his cattle. So here we're told in John 4 and 12 that Jacob himself drank from this well along with his sons and his flock. Now Jacob's well is ancient. Jacob was born in 1770 B.C. And he died 147 years later. <clears throat> Genesis 47, 28 says 1623 B.C. Now if Jacob had the well dug, say, about 1700 B.C., that it was uh, approximately about it was 1727 years old when Jesus was at the well in AD 27. And Carly doing me some figuring and helping me with my time schedule and everything this morning. But this well has been a, a good supplier of excellent water for over 3,719 years. That's 1700 BC plus 2019 AD. The whale is still producing water today. Tourists uh, thrill at drinking from this historic watering place. And Hugo McGord talked about the time that he had went out and with another with a group, and they actually had the three on the honor and the pleasure of drinking from the Jacob's well. And uh, I think it was around 1971. He said that he went out and done this right here. But he said that the guide uh, took a glass of water and if he poured it back into the well, that it would take about five seconds before you heard the water from the glass strike the water below, giving it an estimated distance of about 125 feet. Now today we say, I can dig my hole 125 foot deep, man, no problem. I'll have it for you in, uh, by this afternoon. But can you imagine these people back in this day and time digging a well this 125 foot deep. I remember as a young boy, helping my daddy and several other men come together in the community and us just driving a, a 90 foot wheel, I think they said it was, just to get water. Now we had the little rig and we just drove the pipes and all. But here they are, had to dig with hand tools and all. And lo and break all this uh, up and then when they hit the water, it's all this mud and all this stuff and they still had to, to get it brought out. Then they had to secure the walls and everything. And it does such a great job that it's still there today. No doubt the well in Jacob's day and the Jesus day was out in the open. But now a church a building, a, a Greek, I think it's a Greek Catholic building, he said, covers the well. And it's a wall of monastery that surrounds the whole area of where the well is. Anyway, one day about six o'clock, Jesus, tired from his travels, was sitting by this well. 
And a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Which John 4 and 6 and 7 says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being weary from his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. The Samaritan woman replied, How is it that you and Jew ask a drink from me? A Samaritan woman. Because we're told in our study of the scripture now that Jews did not associate with Samaritans. But however, Jesus answered this in John 4 and 10. When he said, Jesus answered said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that, that speaketh to thee, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. And of course, she looked at it in her human eyes. A physical eye. She replied, Sir, you do not have a bucket. And the well is deep. From where do you have living water? And then it goes on down as I read earlier in 12 said, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank from it himself along with his sons and his flock? We have the living water, knowledge of the living water that Christ is talking about to this lady. He's willing to give it to her. Are we willing to share it with others we come in contact throughout our daily lives? Is it because we need to study a little more of God's word? Is it because we our pride? Is it because we worry what they're going to say to us, their reactions to us? We don't need to worry about what an earthly person is going to think to us about us when we're talking about God's word. We need to worry about what Jesus is going to say to us on judgment day because we didn't tell us. Well, he said, confess me among men, and I confess you my father, which are in heaven. That's who we got to worry about. But anyway, Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks of this water would thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water which I would give him will never thirst. The water which I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up in eternal life. If we got this in our lives today, if we got this well, this water in us, springing up in us, shouldn't it be springing out? I mean, the church is not a little private social or a private club that we got. It's open for each and every one. We need to get out. Christ died on the cross for each and every one of us. But he didn't just die for us. He died for everyone. We need to share this love with them. That is how the, the more we give away, the more it's going to multiply in our hearts and in our lives. And then the woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I would not thirst, neither come here to draw. The bucket of which the woman spake of was of animal skin with three cross stitches at the top to keep it open, and the rope was made of goat's hair. Now the water of which Jesus spoke, he later described this way in John 6 and 35. John chapter 6, I'm going to flip over. Should you read it? John chapter 6, verse 35. Yeah. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life, he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me 
should never thirst. So in other words, what he's telling him and telling here is that he that believes on me should never thirst. We believe on Christ. We shouldn't need of any. And then goes on said, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost self shall flow rivers of living water. We see that in John uh, 7 and 35, uh, 38. John 7 and 38, when it says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Out of our mouth should flow just words and words upon to other people of God's great love for each and every one of us. Many times we try to tell somebody how to do something and then we just get to the point where, hey, do it your way. You know, if you don't do it right, it's not my fault. If you get hurt, it's not my fault. We need to talk to them enough about, about God and God's love to where if their soul is lost. It's not our fault. We need to constantly. Now when Jesus asked a woman to go and, and call her husband, she replied that I have no husband. Jesus shocked her by saying that she had had five husbands and the one she had now was not her husband. She was convinced that the strange man talking to her was a prophet. So she changed the subject. Our fathers worship in this, mount, uh, in this mountain, Jericho, Jerusalem. But you say that it's necessary to worship in Jerusalem. John 4 and 20. <laughs> Sambalat had built a temple on Mount Jerusalem about 400 B.C. But then as, uh, as the little article that Hugo McCord gave out, he said that John Hyrcanus destroyed it in 129 B.C. But anyway, Jesus' reply was not about the place where one worships as being imported, but whether or not one worships in spirit and in truth. Let's look at John 4. John 4, 23 and 24. John 4, 23 and 24. It says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when a true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The only part of a human being that returns to God when he dies is his spirit. Turn over in Ecclesiastes 12 and 7. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7 tells us Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So it's telling us here that yes, it's his inner person over in uh, Ephesians 3 and 16. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 tells us that, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. The inner person is talking about here. And also with his, his physical heart, Hebrews 4 and 12. 
Hebrews 4 and 12 talks about the, uh, the non-physical heart. We see now when his spirit is in a person, he will praise God with all his heart, according to Psalms 111 and 1. Psalms 111 and 1 tells, Praise ye the Lord, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Notice here it says, with my whole heart, not just part of my heart. In other words, I'm not going to just talk, I'm not going to praise God when I feel like it. I'm not going to call upon God when I'm, I'm in bad times, when I'm in trial and tribulation. I'm not going to use God like a spare tire, only when I need it. I'm going to praise God with my whole heart. No, we're going to always praise God. And Jesus, and then it goes on to say that, uh, so he fulfilled one of the two requirements in true worship. The other requirement is that his worship must be according to truth. That is his word, John 17 and 17. His word requires the Lord's Supper, which we took this morning, Matthew 26, 26, and 27. And laying by money in store, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. And on the first day of the week, Acts 20 and 7. And singing, Ephesians 5 and 19. And praying, James 5 and 16 at any time. In the meantime, Jesus' disciples have been sent to bring food. And on their return, they were surprised that he was speaking with the woman. We see over and over, back over in John 4 and 27. John 4, verse 27, it says, And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? In other words, they didn't question him, but they kind of were surprised that he was doing it. A rabbi had written that let no one talk with a woman on the street, no, not with his own wife. Now, Socrates, uh, 469 to 399 BC, it said that Socrates thanked God daily that he was born neither a slave nor a woman. But somehow a Samaritan woman had learned that when the Messiah comes, the one who is called the Christ, he would tell us everything. John 4 and 25. John 4 and 25. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. How many people that we've been around in the world just last week know something about God because of something that we've said or the actions and the way that we've handled ourselves. Doubtless someone had talked to this woman because she knew that when the Messiah came that he would tell her everything. Jesus answered, I the, I the one speaking to you am he, John 4 and 26. Now the relation of his Messiahship was news that she could not keep that she wanted to share with others. Do we want to share it with others ourselves? Do we want to share the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ that gave his life on the cross, that we can have forgiveness of our sins no matter how rotten or bad our life seems? Do we want to share that with others? It says here that this woman wanted to share it with others. Forgetting her water pot, she heard the three quarters of a mile back to her townspeople to convey the good news to them. <coughs> We have air heated and air-conditioned cars. 
We can listen to our favorite tunes while we're riding to talk to people about God. Are we as excited about this lady? How about our ball team when we win? Ball game. Well, we all excited to talk about that. A good deal at Walmart somewhere. We got to get on the phone. You wouldn't believe the coupons I found on the internet. Go to this site right here and look at this great deal they got going on. Get on Facebook and talk about all the good things that went on in our life. How many times have we talked about the great thing that's happened? Jesus gave his life for our sins that we can have forgiveness of them. But anyway, this woman was so excited that she forgot her water pot. She forgot her one of her sisters in life and run back and said, come see a man who told me everything I have done. He, can, he could not be the Christ. Could he? John 4 and 29. Many of the Samaritans in the city believed on him because of the testimony of this woman. How many of them, uh, people in our lives believe on God because of something that we've said? Or something that we've done in our lives around them. John 4 and 39. Now when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. Which he did for two days. Many more believed because of his message. And they told the woman. John 4, 40 and 42. No longer do we believe because of your report. For we ourselves have heard and know that this man is truly the Savior of the world. Invite people to church. Let them come in. Get them to studying on their own. Get them involved in Bible study and everything. Then they can say, I believe because of what I have seen, what I have read. Jesus staying and teaching. Now, Sichar was actually against the instruction that he had given to his apostles. Turn around right quick and over to uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Ch Matthew chapter 10, 1 through 6. And where it talks about this right hand, why it was uh, against the instruction he had given his, his apostles. It says, and when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them the power against unclean spirits, to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness, all manner of diseases. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, the first Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Mark, son of you, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Levius, and surname was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite, Judas the Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now these twelve, Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Excuse me. But anyway, he's telling them, he didn't go so far today and tell them to heal the sick and all. But he's telling them not to go into these Samaritans. For the time had not yet come to teach the Samaritan people. But perhaps the good and the honest hearts that he perceived among them changed the procedure on this occasion. And he spent two days with them at sea char. How many people can we thank you of that we probably appreciate or really needs? Our love, our encouragement, and really need to hear the story of Jesus Christ. They need to hear the love of our Heavenly Father. I'm sure we can rattle probably names off in our head and in our hearts. 
As songs in our boat says, only a step. We have to make sure that they are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. How are they going to know that if we don't go out? What's the song say? You never mentioned him to me. How sad that would be. How many times we've been out watching someone that maybe our, our relative or something and they're doing something wrong and we know exactly how to do whatever they're trying to do. And so why didn't I tell them about that? Why didn't I say this to them? Why didn't I help them with that? We don't want to get to judgment day and say, oh my goodness. Why didn't I say that? I'm going to break it down even simpler. We don't want to go to someone's funeral and have to ask, were they a child of God? Someone says, was this person a, a friend of yours? Oh, most definitely. Yes, they were. We tell them all kind of friends, uh, stories and everything, life stories. But they say, were they a child of God? We need to be able to tell them, yes, he was. Yes, she was. If not, say I, we can honestly say, I've done all that I could. Not that I wished I would have said or done something to them. So with that on our hearts and our minds, if there's something that we hadn't done, something that we have done wrong, maybe we need to be baptized. Or if we've all been baptized, maybe we've stepped out of God's way. Whatever your need may be, we ask you to come forward and stand and sing our song of invitation.